So there are some 3D printers running in the background. I don't know if you can hear them or not. But we intentionally moved, like a couple of years ago, we moved all the printers out of the office into another room because people complained about printers running in the background of the podcast. (laughs) And so now they're out that door, but it's like the, I don't know, geometry of the hallway. They just like, the sound bounces in. So I I think it's going directly to my microphone. So enjoy (laughs) the sound of two 3D printers doing their jobs. Like if you're, if you're in one square corner of a room, like if you're in like, uh, let's say you're pointed into a corner and in the opposite corner and you have vaulted ceilings, like somebody could stand in one corner and whisper and you could hear it perfectly in the other corner. Do you ever see that oh, yeah. there's, there's a certain geometry of rooms that are like that? So that would be funny if you put your 3D printers in the opposite corner of you because it's the furthest <laughs> away. But this like sound, louder than my speech in yeah, the microphone. The geometry of sounds will pinpoint and hit your microphone. That sounds like a an album name, geometry of sound. Anyway, mm. how are you guys? I'm good. Very good. I'm good. My pants are here, finally. So everybody that's listening... <laughs> Not, Please explain. Is that what you have not on necessarily though? the ones I'm wearing. Well, I am wearing the pants that we manufactured. But uh, Christine, oh. my 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 pants coordinator, who coordinates all my pants, she's here, and we're going to pack up 200 and change pairs of pants and about 50 jackets for mailing in the next couple of days. It's very exciting. So, you guys by now will have seen all this on my social media. Dave, questions? I just want to know, did, Bob, did you write down my pants are here? Is that what you just did? Um, I did not. But I will. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> we can. That can be the, the interim title until Jimmy says something even funnier. So all the pants <laughs> were manufactured in 35th Street and 8th Avenue in Manhattan. And so I had to go there yesterday with a truck and Christine coordinated everything. We picked up. My truck was packed. Like the, the bed of my truck was literally like arched over about three feet. We had to tarp it and then strap it all down and then it was like a snowstorm driving home the whole way home so you'll see ultimately in like the vlog video we're unloading the truck in a complete downstorm of snow bringing everything into the everything set up in the big barn it's the spa- space i have the biggest room and so we're getting everything ready it's exciting that it's getting to this point how many pairs of pants is it we sold roughly? i think 200 like 40 something pairs of pants and 50 jackets wow. somewhere like maybe 35 or 7, I don't remember. But we made a lot of extras of stuff because we have some uh, branding obligations with some of our partners on uh, on the products, Cordora and some other stuff. These people kind of invested in this whole thing. But for now, hmm. many people, it's funny because we got a lot of inquiries yesterday. Oh, save me a pair, save me a pair. How about a pair of 30s, a pair of 25? I'm like, yo, this was all pre-order. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, I'll buy the next batch. So we kickstarted this whole thing, hopefully get a licensing deal. We have a couple of things brewing, but I don't want to make clothes. I do not want to make clothes. <laughs> they're very complicated and very expensive to make. And the margins are nothing like an ice pick, nothing like a razor blade, nothing like a wooden toolbox made on the CNC machine. So the margins are really tight and the physical effort is just astronomical and the amount of people Mm. in the production chain is just astronomical and the amount of time it takes to make one pair of jeans and and i see some comments and some and i know none of these people would be the people that listen to this podcast but some of the comments are super rude like where do you get off thinking you can charge 180 dollars for a pair of pants it's disgusting it costs like 110 dollars to to make them (laughs) that's that's Mm. my cost and then not to mention everything else that goes into the legit. I'm like literally making no money at $180 per pants. But 
So it's just uh, it's just a very complicated thing, and that's why it's left better to the giant corporations. You know, these small batch runs, some guys make a make it, but you know you do it just like everything else we do. You do it because you love it, not necessarily because it's going to make you big money. So mm-hmm. that being said, this is uh, you know we're, we're coming to this part of the the story, and it's exciting. It's definitely exciting to make sure everybody gets what they they invested in with me, and, and I thank everybody for that. So we'll see where it goes from here. So maybe we'll get a partner really cool. and then, you know, I could just license my name to a company that's going to make this style of pants and, you know, see if they can even make it better. Yeah. Right on. So, well, that's cool, man. That's, thank you. That's very cool. What else you been working on? Been uh, new cool projects in the works? Oh, it's been a busy week and this weekend's video is going to be a quick one. It's going to be, uh, while I was away in... In Kansas City a couple weekends ago, I couldn't find, you know, when you work in somebody else's environment, it's hard to find anything. We went to the hardware store and I bought a pack of razor blades. And when I brought them back, I just hot glued them between two pieces of wood. So I had myself a little pocket knife and uh, everybody laughed at me. They're like, isn't that so silly? There's a knife right here. And I was like, well, I didn't know. And anyway, it gave me the idea to make like an inset mold where you could put the razor blade in a rubber mold and then infill around it. And you have like a little disposable shop knife with a little bit of customization. And so that's the video this week, Aaron. Uh, I, I gave Aaron some instruction and he modeled up in Fusion 360 a handle and we printed it on the Elegoo. It came out beautiful. And then we made some silicone molds of it. I've been showing a couple of pieces on my stories, but that's probably going to be the video this weekend is the disposable shop knife. So so you, you mentioned that last week. It may have been in the after show, I don't remember. But I mentioned that sometimes when you have resin prints, the uh, sulfur in the cured resin can cause the silicone around it not to fully cure. Did you have any issue with that at all? Uh, well, you know what? It's funny because we had, I wanted, just for, for for cinematic reasons, I wanted to get the clear silicone. And we did get that. We got it online and it showed up a couple of days before you mentioned that to me. But because I have so much stuff over the years, Aaron went into the stock and found, we found tin based. So we had no problem with it. The pink stuff, the uh, yeah. mold max 30 is the, is the right stuff to work with the Elegoo print or the, I guess that, that water-based resin print stuff. And I haven't, I did not have any problems at all. Great. Yeah. So today we're going to put another one. I, I've been, I've been really experimenting with it and not filming only because I just wanted to get some of my rhythm down of how to make it. And it's really simple to make. It's not that complicated. It's not the kind of thing that I'm going to make one time and, you know, like a, like a complicated knife, for instance. These are fairly simple. So, And also the idea is at the end of the video, I want volume. So we've been making them all week long without filming any of it. So that when I get to a couple of the key shots, I could film them with confidence. And then by the end of the week, we could finish it and have like, 10 or 15 to show as examples and stages of Hmm. development, as opposed to just like making two or three of them. And, you know, I'm really kind of thinking cinematically having several of them at the end. So, and then ultimately a lot of people uh, on Instagram give me all kinds of suggestions. And I kind of snarkily replied, ultimately, if I'm going to sell this on my website, what I want to sell is the silicone mold. I don't want to sell a knife. I don't want to sell razor blades. I don't want to sell handles. What I'm going to sell is this little mold. And if you're a resin or, or you know, someone like, uh, you know, Frank Ippolito or Bill Duran that's always like casting resin, you could have four or five of these sitting around and you just pour overflow resin into these molds because it's only going to take a couple of ounces 
resin or any type of epoxies. And you occasionally will have a couple of shop knives laying around that are disposable. Once the blade goes dull, you just throw it away. And that is, that is the ultimate idea is just to sell it a silicone mold. And then also, I mean, like I, I always say, I'm open source. So anybody with a 3D printer or even the capability of making a silicone mold, you can make a mold of just an existing knife. Just put some clay in some of the cracks, stick it in there, hot glue it in a box and cut it out and then stick a razor blade in that negative space and then fill it with resin. You can have your own little shop knife in the shape of your most favorite knife. So, hmm. so that's the idea. I think it's just, yeah, cool. it's one of these videos that I think will inspire people more than, you know, inspire them to like kind of take it in their own direction, which is, you know, obviously always, always good to see people doing, getting, that you inspire them. I was just going to say, I love that you make um, and sell things for people to take that and throw it in their own, put it in their, go in their own direction. I got the knife uh, last week and it's Thank an you? absolutely beautiful knife and it's a gift from my brother. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, oh man, cool. I kind of want this. But I love seeing <laughs> what everybody is doing with yeah. your knife. And everybody's doing something different. And that's so cool. And that's the same way with this. this. It's super inspiring. And it's a unique idea. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we like we like now as the products develop, it's uh, between me and Howard. We're always brainstorming and coming up with ideas. And <clears throat> now, really more than ever, the goal for my website products are interactivity so uh, very rarely will i well i guess the ice pick is the one thing you can get and just straight up use but it is nice to see people monogramming them and modifying them and making leather Mm -hmm. things for them but in general like everything we sell is just going to kind of be a obviously you could use it as is or you could spark of inspiration or you have to assemble it with a little assembly required that you might want to do with a young one or somebody learning and uh so everything's going to have a little bit of custom customizability to it and that's really the goal. And that's, I encourage everybody to take whatever I make and cut it up and make their own version of it. Or, you know, straight up start from scratch and make their own version of it if they want. That's totally fine with me. For with the ice picks in the beginning, five or six years ago, so many people were saying, make me one, make me one. I'm like, you make your own. This is for you to make yours. And then, like, I started getting messages from wives and girlfriends like i don't know how to do any of this stuff i just want to surprise them you know whoever it was and that's really how the product started mm. like I, i'm never gonna make this i want to surprise them i want to it's like okay 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 <laughs> so well and there's the flip side too where like people want to have <clears throat> one that you made <clears throat> yeah excuse me what's going on with our throats today they want to have one that you made not the thing that uh, you know, is similar to what you made, uh, especially if it's being given as a gift. Like there's, that's an interesting thing because that's one of those approaches that like, I personally don't have a huge attachment to um, an object because it came from a certain person. Like, so I, you know, like signatures are not a big thing to me. I would never pay money to have somebody's signature, but there are other people where that's the thing that is way more important than the object itself. Like what mm-hmm. it is, what it does the fact that it's connected personally to another person or like some thing that they really enjoy, you know, everybody works differently. And I'm really honored. A lot of, a lot of people buy two things at a time because I'm presuming that they Mm. use one, like for instance, the knife, they'll leave one in a package and, you know, in case it could be worth money someday or they buy one to, to use and they keep one preserved like an action figure. And I'm honored that people do that. So if you're somebody that's done that, thank you very much. And sometimes they buy your action figure. 
Yeah. Like I did. Yes. And it's in my attic. <laughs> I found it recently. It's in this box. Yes. I got the unpainted one because oh I was God. expecting to like do something with it and I still never have. It's just Can I be can I be 100% un- honest? Unpainted. I was so embarrassed how that thing kind of got out of control. I, I really didn't want to do that. But Carlos, <laughs> my buddy from the toy business, is like, no, this is going to be great. He really sold me on it. And then all of a sudden I made it. And I did raise about 30 grand for the barn. And it all did go right into the barn. So, But oh, wow. I was I was a little embarrassed about that whole thing. I just felt a little exposed. <laughs> and did I tell you guys the funny thing? So Carlos works with this incredible... This was kind of just at the verge of 3D scanning when like anything could be made with a computer without any physical interaction. But he was, hangs out with... He has access to like some of the best sculptors in the world that make all these action figures. So Carlos is like, oh, I'm going to have like, I'm making this up. You know, the Fantastic Four are going to sculpt you. That's like some team. I'm making up that name, but it was a name like that. And it was a group of guys that are like world renowned for sculpting. And it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And uh, he goes, well, I'm going to come take some pictures of you. So he came and took some pictures of me in my shop and I was feeling a little bloated, but I was wearing exactly what I'm wearing in the sculpture. And uh, I put my foot up on that thing, which that box in the tree stump and and uh, I'm like, all right, cool. I figured they were going to like make me look a little bit like Herculean, like give me a little bit of chest muscles and <laughs> slim me down a little bit. I get the sculpt. I look exactly the same. I look like a barrel. Like I look like a barrel with like work clothes on. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, and like he sends me pictures of the wax, which like is like almost like 89, 90%, 80, 90% there. And I was like, oh man, like, can't, all right, I guess it looks good. <laughs> I wish that they had. Because <laughs> he kept saying action figure, action figure, and I just presumed they were going to make me look a little heroic. I mean, I think it's a great pose and I really do like it. And ultimately, after all is said and done, the embarrassment has faded and I'm proud of it. But. When I first saw those first images, I was like, oh. I okay. tell you what, whenever I take a <laughs> bath, my Jimmy Duresta doll is right there with me. <laughs> you. you go scuba diving all the time. Oh, thank you. Oh, man. That's a project video right there. You make yeah. a tiny little scuba mask and snorkel <laughs> with your resin printer that you haven't opened yet. And you make it for your Jimmy Duresta action figure. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, right. I, I'm going to say this. I, there's a certain sense of guilt because there have been... I didn't ship all them. The the uh, the guys from Toy Make or whatever the website was, they shipped them. And there are a couple around the whole world that didn't get to where they were supposed to go because they got stuck in customs or whatever. And if there's anybody out there that never did get that, write me an email and see if we can compensate you some way or another hmm. with a knife or an ice pick or something. I know it's only a handful of guys. So anyway, that's it. I guess I'm done yeah. talking about myself. david what are you up to my week wasn't quite as exciting as as jimmy's um sold out of books which was mind-blowing that's exciting yeah i got more coming on the way um so thank you to everybody who who bought a book that's it's just crazy so um I don't know if you guys do your own shipping or not, but I bought a thermal printer. It's just for printing labels. It doesn't use any ink. I didn't even know this technology existed, but it's, 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 it's only like five by five by five. It's a tiny little printer. It's got one job. All it does is print labels and it uses special labels, no ink. And this, I didn't, I should have known this existed a long time ago. This would have made my life so much easier because I have this, um, this brother, what, what do you call it? Laser printer. And it's always claw. It's always 
clogging up, catching, jamming. And there's like four different places where it can jam. And so there's like four different doors where you have to pull it out and open. And then the, the, the powdery stuff gets all, ugh, it's, I hate printers. I've, nobody makes a good printer. But anyway, so I got a new printer and that's exciting and it's super boring, but it's also super exciting because anything that makes my life easier, <laughs> I get super happy about. Um, so in the theme of books, uh, this week we made a new bandsaw box. Uh, I drew up a new design and, um, you know, at, 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 in the video I talk about like, Hey, I've got a book on bandsaw boxes. You can check this out. And so we, we did a little texturing, took a Dremel and put, made a bunch of little divots in the drawer and it's a different type of a design and the drawers kind of stick out the side. I tried to play with the, play with the design a little bit more and get, get a little bit unique. The um, the theme for this year is to I'm always trying I'm trying to ask myself what is different about this project and so maybe this is the start where this is more of an art piece than a functional box and one of the words that I'm really I, I think about quite a bit now is impractical and I want to do a lot more impractical stuff just to kind of open up so the creative is place. that stuff to be for the sake of being impractical or to take practicality as a requirement out of it. Cause those could be kind of different. Yeah. I think it's for the sake of being impractical. It's more about the act hmm. of making something and thinking outside. So another idea that I have that I want to make is I want to make a, just a, a box, like a nice wooden box, but with no 90 degree corners. So it would look like something like the inspiration comes out of Beetlejuice where you see like the, the weird pillars that are at like a, you know, like a 70 degree angle. Um, and there's some crazy challenges with that, but I think I can do it. And I think that would be fun and it's not a practical thing and it's different and I haven't seen anybody else do that. So that's one of the things that I want to do real soon here. That's great. Hmm. That could be fun. Yeah. That reminds me of a funny project that my buddy Doug, who's a, who, he's done some of my posters for me. To, uh, I'll, I'll, I can't remember the name of Doug's company, <clears throat> but Doug is a graphic designer and he's always sending me cool bits of inspiration. He's always on the cutting edge of like what's cool. And he sent me a thing and there's an artist, you guys might know him, who sells a chrome cube and a sledgehammer and you take the sledgehammer and you shape the chrome steel cube into the shape you want to sit on. (laughs) So it's like, because we were talking about my website being more interactive stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and he sent me that. I'll I'll find the guy's name out if anybody wants to look him up. But I mean, that reminds me of, you know, being not practical. Not that I would ever do that, but he, he was just, we were discussing through Instagram practical pro uh in interactive products hmm. so one of the, one of the things i was going to mention earlier and i forgot about it you were talking about the resin prints this was something josh was experimenting with and we never turned it into a project because failures but we one time we were in california he and i and we had 3d scans done of our faces <clears throat> at matter hackers and so once we had those models then we were just kind of like trying to figure out what to do with them. He did a project where he made a soap dispenser out of my head that we 3D printed and stuff like that. But recently he took, (laughs) in Fusion, he took a fish and uh, put our faces on the front of the fish head. So he merged these two (laughs) models and then resin printed 
those fish. So they're like fishing lures with our heads on the front of the little tiny fish. And so we 3D printed those in resin and then made a mold. Actually, he tried that. And then he knocked that shape out of a block and resin printed the block. So he was printing the mold out of resin that you could then pour in silicone inside the mold. And so when you take it apart, you have a rubber fish lure with our heads on them. (laughs) (laughs) And and so they're on Instagram somewhere. Like he posted some pictures of it a long time ago because we never really did anything with it. But I'll, I'll find a picture of it and send it if it's not there. We we ran into problems, technical problems, and this is why I knew about the sulfur and the resin not allowing certain types of silicone to cure. Um, but so it never we never found a good combination because we just kind of like let it go. But he was able to get one version of these these little fishing lures, and they were super gross looking because it was like that pink silicone that kind of like just you know skin color, my skin color uh, silicone. <laughs> And they were all like floppy because they needed to be floppy for the, you know, to actually work in the water and stuff. But they were gross. They didn't quite work, but he did actually take them out fishing one time. He and our friend Andy went to this pond and like used them. I don't think they caught anything with them. But that was one of those things kind of related to talking about impractical things Mm -hmm. because that's absolutely not a practical way to make fishing lures. And the fact that I can't imagine why a fish would want to eat another (laughs) fish that had a human face on it. But I guess the the cool thing about that was that it was an experiment, a little idea he had. And if nothing else came out of it, it was we realized that the sulfur in resin can cause certain silicones not to cure. And that led us to looking at more silicone chemistries and like, well, why are these different? What is it about that? And then that led to a bits video about making silicone molds to where we talked about the different types of silicone, what they could work with, what they couldn't. And so those impractical things can often lead you down a path that you wouldn't have gotten to otherwise. And I think that's really awesome. So that's a, that's a great way to set yourself up to find stuff that you wouldn't have found otherwise. A hundred percent. And one thing I always like to say is, uh, don't ever, don't ever say you've wasted time or money. I mean, there are ways of very practically wasting (laughs) time. I can waste some time Mm -hmm. and money. But what I'm saying is, is like, I see people go down the road with materials and, then they have failures. They have several failures, and they go and they sit there in their wet diaper, and they go, "I wasted my time and I wasted my money." <laughs> you didn't because you got an, an unbelievable education that you never would have got if you didn't go down that path. And doing unpract- impractical things is a great way of learning stuff, just like Bob, the example. So I'm just saying, take "I've wasted" out of the equation in general. Hmm. You know, as you go through life. I mean, I could see you wasting time at like DMV or something like that, but that's different. You, it's another thing. It's, it's one of those opportunities where I say when I go get my car serviced, it's always two hours, 30 miles from the house. I get nothing to do. I go through all my messages that I don't answer on a daily basis, and I clean house. So it takes if it takes me uh, 5,000 miles to answer you back, I apologize. <laughs> the other day on uh, on Saturday, my daughter had a, had a gymnastics competition and so the way that they're doing now with COVID is like they have a really limited number of kids who can be in the gym at the same time and all the parents have to sit far apart and have masks and and everything slows down because they have to go one at a time and they have to clean between and all this type of stuff so I was there for three hours and uh she would only do her competition stuff for like 
two minutes here and then there was an hour wait and then there was two minutes and then there was an hour wait. So there's a whole lot of it where I had literally nothing to do, but I had to sit in this one spot and I could not move and I couldn't go anywhere. And, and that it's the same kind of thing, Jimmy, where I at first was like kind of antsy, like I'm just you know, I'm trying not to be on my phone, but then I realized like, I don't know any of these other kids. I don't need to watch these other kids do their <laughs> gymnastics. So I'm going to go heads down into something that I wouldn't normally allow myself to do. And I started thinking about this project that I'm working on right now. That's coming up in a couple of weeks and started brainstorming and kind of sketching on my phone. And within two or three minutes, I went through a, like three design cycles, like, Oh, it should be this way. Okay, cool. I got, I, I know what I need now. So I get on home Depot. I order some aluminum channel and stuff and put in the order. And as soon as I hit the order button, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, no, no, I should do it this way. I'm like, well, I already ordered the stuff. I guess I'll go pick it up in a little while. <laughs> and so then I went through another design thing. And then I realized that I could use conduit for this same idea, but I can't weld it because it's galvanized. Okay, well, how do you remove the galvanization? And then I go down like this other 30-minute rabbit hole of how do you remove galvanization from steel and like all this stuff. And so I learned a huge amount of stuff and have since then have tested it, tried it, works perfectly. It's safe. It's so I learned a whole lot just by being forced to sit still in that environment. So I'm just reiterating what you said, but it was really cool. And it turned out that the project that I'm doing now just would have been an entirely different thing. I think it's better now and I think it's more accessible now because I was forced to sit there and think about it instead of just jumping at my first impulse, which is what I typically do because that's just how I am. And, and, you know, like I have an idea, I want to go try it and whatever being forced to like iterate on it in my head and not immediately take action is kind of good. You know, sometimes it's really important. I I came up with uh, right after I got out of college, I started working for an inventor whose name was Bob, uh, Bob Carrigan. He was a Bob invented lots of toys in the, in the eighties. And sounds like a cool guy. He's, (laughs) he's, he's a very cool guy. So Bob Carrigan, taught me he said uh before when you come up with an idea don't put don't commit it to paper he said you need to this is kind of obvious now but this he's he's telling me this 25 30 years ago uh think about it don't write it down don't commit it to paper yet because your brain is going to immediately start staying stuck in those lines that you draw so marinate on it think about it he said the 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 uh the unfocused image in your head because if you think about it right now in your head and you think you could put it to paper, then what you put on paper is not what's in your head. What's in your head is still very abstract, and it still needs some jellification. It still needs to become what it really is ultimately going to be. And the minute you start doing that, you start locking a direction. Not hmm. always, but in general, you know, for like the untrained inventor, you start like thinking like that's how it has to be. You don't, you stop looking for opportunities to make it a different direction. So that's a, that's a good point is to just hmm. sit and think about something and not necessarily have your tools around you to start hot glue and stuff. Da, 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 da. You need that, like that. It's almost like that moment where you wake up with the idea, you know, like when you're either in the shower or just like kind of half waking up and half asleep. You know, you need to like take that and extend it throughout the day. Yeah. One of the things I've thought about doing um, at our retreat when we were kind of like, how can we change things this year? How can we grow? How can we get better at stuff? One of the things I considered doing was picking a day a month at least, or maybe it's a day every two weeks or something, and not requiring that day to come up with ideas, but making that day like an intentional, 
I'm going to sit at the desk or I'm going to sit outside or I'm going to sit somewhere and not be in the shop and not look for things to accomplish, but just to that same thing, force myself to be in a place with nothing else other than ideas and just like iterate and think through what could be um, rather than having this like internal thing that I have where I just want to be productive. I just want to go do, I want to like move something along and it's exactly what you're saying. That habit, while it can be really good, can also just, you can miss ideas because you're just too, you're already moving past them before you even get to them. And so one of the things I'm considering is just setting aside a day that where I intentionally don't go into the shop, where I intentionally am alone, you know, undistracted. And the whole point is to just come up with things or, or revisit things that I've already started to think about to let them like brew a little bit with attention, you know? So I don't know if they'll actually be able to do that. Cause that's pretty, that feels very like unproductive. I know it's not, but it feels like it would be hard to justify that for me personally within my time, but I don't know. It's worth, worth a shot. For a while I was going to the library about once a week maybe once every two weeks just to do computer stuff, whether it was drawing up in fusion or answering emails or whatever. And it was nice to just to get out of my normal environment with all the distractions. Yeah. Uh, I guess I haven't talked about what I've been up to, but we do have some topic stuff today. Finally, we actually have like a real topic over the past couple of weeks. And uh, I've been working on something for, that's coming out today. And I made um, a couple of Mandalorian helmets one for me and then one for my son. But the point of the video is not necessarily that they're like Boba Fett, Mandalorian things. It's we made these full-size helmets that you can wear on small printers. And so the whole video is about like, I show the process of simply slicing a large model into smaller pieces, printing it out, and then how to reattach it and align it and, and then do the f- whole finishing process. And so it was fun just because the helmets themselves were something that I like, I like to have, I like to look at, something I've kind of avoided doing for a long time. Because when you look at like, um, you know, any any kind of intellectual property like that, any character, if it's not right visually, like it, it's just not right, right? And you can tell and it's not good enough if it doesn't look like the thing that it's based on, at least for me. And so I've always kind of put off making one of these um, just because I, I didn't think I could get it detailed enough from a paint and finish perspective. And anyway, that's kind of irrelevant, but I was kind of empowered to just jump in and finally do this thing. And I'm super happy with how it turned out. I'm really, really excited about having it now. But I think the cool thing about the, the video is just that there are so many 3d printers out there right now of all different scales, different, you know, sizes, different capabilities, different price points. And you see, I see a lot of these people online who have giant resin printers where you can print like two helmets at a time out of resin, which is bonkers to me. But they're out there. They're also like $8,000 or some crazy amount of money. And so it was cool to break a model down really easily and put it on a small printer that's a couple hundred bucks and be able to, you know, print the whole thing out, glue it back together and, and it the end result you can't tell you know it works just as well so um hoping people will take that and not feel like they need to have some super expensive machine or whatever to to be able to do a thing that they've been putting off for a really long time 
if you have a, even a small tool, you can accomplish it. So that's what's coming out it's, this week. That seems more practical anyway, because you instead of printing out the whole thing, you're printing out pieces and you can run in. If you run into any problems, you can fix them as you go instead of wasting, you know, an entire day. You're only. Oh, yeah. So and that's absolutely true. What happened was the reason I made two of them is because I scaled one of the helmets. I printed out the ring, the largest part of the helmet, and I fit it over just that little sliver. And I fit that over my head. And I'm like, well, yeah, that goes over the crown of my head, the highest, the widest part. Well, that must be the scale that I need to scale the entire helmet, all the pieces to, and print them out, and it will fit my head. Well, I did that, and I got all the pieces printed. This is like several days, like eight days total printing. And then I went... Something got unscaled. (laughs) No, no, no. They were all scaled correctly. But when I glued them together, part of that helmet, it has these like sunken cheek pieces. And so I found that even though it fit over the crown of my head, those sunken cheek pieces hit my cheekbones and I couldn't oh. actually get the thing over my head. Oh, wow. So the relationship was like, of one you know, piece to the other was different than you expected. Yeah. I mean, like I just didn't think about the fact that I would have to fit that part over the, a different part of my head. But uh, because of that, I was able to then print another one at full scale and so the video is actually about making two of them because I, I, I mean, I didn't mess up the first one, but it was just was too small for me. Luckily, it fit my son perfectly, so it became his, and he wanted one anyway. And so at the end of the video, we get some shots of both of us kind of posing with our helmets on. It was pretty cool. But yeah, absolutely. It is a more practical thing because if something fails, if a print falls over, comes off the bed or whatever, you know, you're out a couple of hours instead of a couple of days because once you start printing big pieces an entire helmet i mean you're you're in the like six day straight kind of print like it's pretty big so Mm. anyway that's what i've got coming up uh jimmy you had some kind of topic ideas you wanted to throw out you want to jump in i was uh so we were talking before we got started and i thought maybe it could be something that could spark a conversation in your opinion how important is it for you guys or the people listening to save a space for a schedule. For instance, uh, uh, not to get too far into the YouTube weeds, but every Sunday I've been trying to commit to a, a schedule of putting up a video. Sometimes I have an epic video that's taken me several weeks, like part two of me fixing the truck. This week it's not so epic. It's more of like a simple, like uh, what a lot of my fans like to call either like a classic Duresta video or a uh, like a lot of people call these smaller inch videos make there's like a maker magazine video like what i used to put out every couple of weeks back in the day and the the reason i bring it up is how important is it and i believe it is important for me to save a space for keeping that regular schedule and from in my example i'm talking about youtube but in your own personal example at home think about the time let's say for instance like every sunday you go out to the shop but if you don't have a project you say i'm going to skip the shop and then the next week you're like i still don't have a project i'm going to skip the shop and then all of a sudden three months goes by and you haven't been in your workshop because you had that one moment of lapse i mean that's that's how i get off of things i think we talked about that where like if i have one little problem with like a printer for instance i'll just never touch it again it's the same thing where like instead of like getting over that writer's block or going outside and doing something impractical, just like what Dave was talking about. 
keeping the course, keeping the schedule, keeping the, the thing. And so I just wanted to bring that up to you guys. I feel it's important to keep that schedule as much as possible. Because me personally, the minute I deviate from it, I'm just off the path. I'm off the rails, quite literally. And it's hard to get back. I'll skip a video a week and be like, eh, whatever. I'll just do another one next week. And then that, then I'm traveling. And then all of a sudden, it's two weeks since I posted a video. And then I'm just like, I'll wait till I really have something good. I haven't been in that head in a long time, and I like to keep away from that head. So how do you guys feel about that? It's hard for me to not go into the YouTube weeds because that is my life and it is all I think about. Um, But the schedule is really important for me, and commitments are really important for me to keep me on a schedule. So when the whole COVID thing started a year ago, Dan and I decided to not work together for a little bit. And I kept using that as as an excuse to not make a video. And the only time I was making a video is when I had commitments with a sponsor, because this is something that I had to do. And then, so I, I found myself skipping all the time and realizing how important a schedule is. And then when he came back, uh, you know, it forced me to come up with projects. It forced me to draw up things and I, I I live and die by the schedule and I'm always looking for excuses to get out of the schedule or to skip a thing and I, I need I need constantly I look, looking for excuses to say yeah all right this it, excuse is so good that I can actually not do this obligation and then you then you start feeling guilty because you like convinced yourself that you know uh, because you ha- have no bandsaw blade, you don't have to do a video this week when you got thirteen right, right, bandsaws. Right. <laughs> There's also yeah. the this idea is so good that I'm not ready to do it yet because I this is the ultimate project. This is the thing that I have to wait till everything is perfect before I can do this project. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm always creating barriers all the time. Even though we talk about removing barriers, that's like the the main reason we had the show is talking about removing the barriers but i come up with new ways to make barriers all the time yeah i I mean the schedule for me is that same double-edged sword where you know i hate it i hate the feeling beholden to some schedule but at the same time it's the thing that forces me to like to to get something done to be productive to prioritize the things that need to be prioritized to actually move ahead you know like i could easily just be like well i'm just going to go get something done in the house that like we need some trim fixed in this room but i'm not going to make a video about that and if i do that as my action if i insert that as my thing i'm going to do this week then we don't have an income source this week for the business and there's families relying on this business you know and so just having the schedule forces me to be like, well, I'll fit the trim in around the thing. And I have to now spend time figuring out what the thing is that I have to make this week. And that does get tedious, I guess, to a degree. But it also like forces me to make stuff that I wouldn't have just made naturally. And I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it pushes me in directions that I wouldn't have, have pushed myself. Talking about like the perfect project, we were talking yesterday Josh has been designing another uh, bass guitar because he's he's wanting to build another one. And I'm wanting to build a guitar sometime. And so we were kind of talking about that. And he's done all this research about how to build all the different parts for it and, you know, assemble the different 
components and and all these different things. And he was saying how it was interesting to him to have looked at the entire process as like, this guitar has to be perfect. Like if I'm going to do this from start to finish, I have to figure it all out. And then he had this moment where he, he was watching a video of another guy who made guitars and the first one, he showed the first one that he made and it was just like in pieces. On I hope shelf. it wasn't me. He didn't watch mine. Wouldn't you? It wasn't. Oh, good. Okay, good. <clears throat> no. Then the video should be okay. But, but he showed that his original one had been like taken apart to use pieces of it in other guitars. And that was like an eye-opening thing for Josh was that making his guitar, his bass, doesn't have to be Excalibur. It doesn't have to be the final guitar. It can be the next guitar. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's not perfect, if it's if you don't have all of the ideas or all of the perfect materials, it can be a step towards the perfect one or the pursuit of the perfect one where you make guitars for the rest of your life because you're always wanting to do something a little bit better. And I think I do the same thing, especially with R2-D2. This thing's been sitting here untouched for a significant amount of time because I go, but I don't know how to do that next thing. And if I just, you know, if it's not right, like I'm going to see it. I mean, just like I was talking about with the helmet earlier, if it's not right, you'll know. If it's not right, I won't be happy with it, but I am happy with it. (laughs) I did it, you know? And I may do another one someday that's even more right, but it's right enough. And so that was a pretty cool conversation between the two of us about just like the project doesn't have to be the end all be all, even if you want it to be, it can be a step toward that. You know, Uh, we're at a place now talking about all this same kind of stuff. Like uh, Jenny and I were talking last night about our kitchen. We've been talking about renovating our kitchen for a couple of years now. And it's one of those things that is such a big collection of decisions that it's just overwhelming. And I think we're, we've been at a place where we don't have all the decisions made, so we're not doing anything. And it's just, it's stuck. the same kind of thing where it's like, I know I should be working on it. I know I should be deciding about this component and this component and figuring out this kind of thing and this kind of thing. But it's all it's all downstream from a decision or a couple of decisions. You know, you have to decide what size range you're going to get. And then that informs where this goes and that informs where that goes. And so there's a few kind of base things that you have to do. But one of the problems we're running into is that we um, haven't made those initial decisions because we're worried about what other decisions will happen down the line instead of just saying, step one, pick an oven and then the end you know what i mean like and then you move to step two and 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 not like overthink the fact that changing step one could eventually change step 10 but you you still got to make step one you know you got to check it off the list or you'll never get to number two of a hundred so that's similar to what we're talking about here is i've found that we have to be a little bit more decisive And I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. One of my things is that I would really like to be a little bit more decisive, but flexible, being able to change a decision after it's made, but also being a little more, having a little more initiative to just like, all right, pick one, go, you know? Yeah. I was going to uh, say that what, one thing that helps me and a a kitchen project is not a good example of what I'm about to say, but because that really, there's so many factors. But also, I always keep the attitude, no matter whether it's a big project or small. Let me say my point first. 
if I start it, it almost gets it almost gets cemented. So if I'm lackadaisical about something or if I'm second guessing something, if I start doing it, then all of a sudden it's like it's there. It's there and then it's gonna get finished. And I know this about me. So for instance, in a video, if I take that opening shot, if I get that opening shot, I might just on a Sunday shoot the opening shot and then not touch it for five days, whatever the project is. Because I started a file on the computer, my OCD is like, now I have to finish that project. Now the project hmm. is started. Anything that I don't know right now, all the things that are, are missing, all the missing pieces will start to fall into place because I started it. And the kitchen is an, is an example in the way that, like I said, it's a bigger project. Obviously, it needs a little bit more thought process. But if I start the project by ripping everything out of the room, obviously, you know, if you have another kitchen, it's a different story. Getting started. And if you like, I don't know what oven yet. I don't know what kind of tile floor yet. Those will present themselves and everything will start to fall into place. If you wait for everything to be perfect, you might be waiting in a considerably long time. Right. Jimmy, you talked about making space to do things. It reminded me about 10 years ago, um, when I was still working at the ad agency, my buddy Joel and I, we challenged ourselves. We were going to write five songs in five days. And we both had full-time jobs. And he had two kids. And the thought was, you had to, after work, you had to go home. And you had to write, record, and mix and master your song that night and present it the next day. We did that five days in a row. And we, we made it like a 10-song album. And it was such a great exercise just forcing yourself to do that. And then like a year later, we did the same thing, but we had a third person come in and write lyrics. And then each one of those days, we had to use that person's lyrics to write a song. That's fun. It was just like forcing yourself to set aside time made us more creative. Definitely. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. when I One of the first lectures I sat in at art school, uh, Richard Wilde, who's retired now from my, he was uh, the director of the the CEO of my school, I forget whatever his title was. You can look up Richard Wilde, who's a famous graphic designer. He basically said, as creatives, we are constantly figuring out ways to avoid work. He said, we will do, we will spend an entire day avoiding work and spending the last hour of like a 12 hour day is the most creative point because we realize, okay, the day's almost over. I got to do something. And he said that 11 or 12 hours of avoidance, all gets pushed into the last hour of the day, as an example. And it's so funny because I'll go into work, I'll dilly-dally around the shop, I'll start cleaning a machine that absolutely doesn't need any attention. <laughs> I'll start sweeping. Like David Welder yep. would always see me sweeping and he'd be like, what's up? What's on your mind? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just... And he's like, you don't have to sweep. And I'm like, oh, I, don't know. I just I enjoy doing it. It keeps me thinking. But uh, yeah, so that's something that is creatives. And I always think of Richard Wilde saying that. I must have been, I was like 18 years old in a giant lecture hall, and he was saying that. And I think of that constantly. He's as creative as we always try and figure out ways to avoid the problem at hand. But then we eventually get to it. Yeah, I think similarly to that, um, I came across uh, something called Parkinson's Law years ago when I was writing software and it's, I don't remember exactly how it's worded, but something to the effect of that a a project will grow in complexity and scale given to, to always fit the time given to it. And so like, if you say I'm going to make this project and I've got six months to do it, you're either going to make it like gigantic or you're going to wait until, you know, month 
the day one of month six to start working on it, one or the other. And it's kind of the same thing you're saying. But uh, we found that with software, if it was like, yeah, we've got a year to develop this product, then you just balloon it out in the beginning instead of saying we have a month to make minimum viable product to get something accomplished. And then at, an, at that point, you decide what the next milestone is. You have a week to make improvements. You have a day to whatever. And I think going back to the schedule thing, part of that is part of the reason that that's beneficial for me, even though I don't like it, is that it forces me to be productive in a short span of time to get a minimum viable product or a, you know problem solve or whatever in that amount of time, you can always come back and make another video about an improvement on something. You can always make a second bass guitar, right? It's the yeah. same, the same idea there. So, well, that's uh, it. You know, a lot of times, and I, I, I constantly say this is so many people join YouTube or get into the idea of working for themselves or, you know, getting, and they feel like they constantly need to hit home runs. I was like, you know, it's about hitting doubles, singles, you know, sometimes you get walked. It's just, it's all about consistency. And it's it's not necessarily about constantly putting up something that you believe is perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have I put like, you know, that stupid Blackburn guitar that I made? I still lose sleep over that. And people like, I even, like, I've never contemplated turning the comments off on anything. That's the one thing I've contemplated turning the comments off. I mean, people hate hmm. me for that. It's like... People are like the comments for that come up in other videos, like oh you did just as good a job on this as you did on that stupid guitar, you know. So, but oh, man. for me, it's 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 an emotional exercise in being like, all right, you know, how thick is your skin, and it's no big deal because you're going to do something better than that, and that's just a moment in time, you know. It's up in the, and then I don't know if I don't want to say it on here because I'll get bleep, but I recently the gentleman who won that guitar in the auction got it and loves it and he's so sweet and so nice to me and uh, if you go to the top comments on that black burnt guitar video i pinned it and i put a funny phrase in front of it and that's you click on the link and that takes you to his youtube video about getting the guitar and using it and he obviously modified it and adjusted a little bit to his own preferences and he's an amazing guitar player but i put a really funny phrase right in front of the link and that's to all the haters (laughs) But I'm saying that's like a moment. (laughs) You got to go look now. But that's a a funny, uh, you know, that's a thing for me in recent memory where I'm like, oh, you know, now I'm never ever going to make anything unless it's perfect. But then uh, then I Mm -hmm. say to myself, no, you just keep stay the course. If you wait for the most perfect video, it's you're going to put a video up every three, three months, every three weeks, four weeks. You know, you just just keep keep the schedule as is. Sometimes you're going to have something. Sometimes you're going to have nothing. But just yeah. do the best you can. Sometimes you're going to have huge. Sometimes you're going to have small. I don't mean nothing. I mean small. You know, in terms of my own personal criteria, something's going to. Be- and I think like the the, the <laughs> definition of what we're talking about is different for everybody. Like so, you know, having a a schedule. Obviously, if making stuff is something you do as a hobby, and you've got a job and a family and a whatever, you know it doing something at a weekly pace is pretty unrealistic. This is what we do for a living. So our pace happens to be that. But I think no matter what your pace is, the point or or whatever your schedule is, the point is that you are intentional about it. I think that's where the, the benefit comes. 
And if it's like, you know, I get to make a thing for my house that just benefits my my daily life and I've got a month to do that, then, I mean, there's a benefit there. But letting things just go indefinitely, you'll you'll find that you had a lot of great ideas that never actually took any root because you didn't, you know, you weren't forced to fit them into something. So I don't I don't want it to sound like, you know, hey, if you're not being as productive as people who do YouTube for a living, <laughs> you're not being productive productive because that is not the truth hmm. at all. But no, yeah, I mean, it's really yeah. just like, you know, so a, a lot of people ask me, uh, how do you get over writer's block and or avoidance? Mm. And you just got to go out there and, and Dave brings up a really good point this week is just making practical things. You don't have to always make the most, you know, there are times I'll just turn the bandsaw on and just start cutting out a shape. I'm not sure what it's going to be. And then I start looking for the object in the shape I just cut. And that's really more exercise. Hmm. I've never actually made a video about that. But, you know, that's fun, too, when I'm doing bandsaw demonstrations for kids at, like, a Maker Faire or whatever. It's always fun to just start riffing on shapes. You know, it's, like, very, it's very liberating creatively. Hmm. Same thing that's as cool. just, like, unconsciously sketching, you know, doodling. Yeah. Well, you guys got any other thoughts on this? Before we wrap it up, I don't have a pick, so I have to go do that while you're talking about your picks. I was going to bring up a thought, and I thought, well, maybe this will be a good. Uh, I can add it to my pick, so I'm going to save it. F- I'm going to save my thought for my pick. Oh, How about that. Wow. Okay, sure. Well, uh, big thanks to everybody that supports the show on Patreon. We are very grateful for all of you, um, and I say that every week because I mean it. Because it it seriously matters, and thank you for being over there. Uh, there's a lot of people that help us out at all different levels and they all get the after show, which is usually 10 or 15 minutes of us talking about other stuff. And it's funny because a lot of times we will mention things here that we talked about in the previous after show. And I never can quite remember where we talked about it. So like apologies if sometimes you hear us talking about stuff that you didn't hear last week, people that get the after show heard it. Um, big thanks to everybody over there, especially our top supporters we got Odin Leather Goods, Corey from Makeshape Create, Rich at Low End Designs, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, You Can Make This Too, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. But like I said, there's a huge list of other people over there that are also awesome, and we're grateful for all of you. Uh, if you want to join that crew, go to patreon.com slash making it and join up. Get the after show. Mm. Send us messages. <laughs> all that stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. All right. You guys got a pick? Sure. Go find one real quick. Um, so Bob brought up the um, Parkinson's law. Is that what you called it? Yeah. Y- you'll fill up that time with the project. And uh, one of the first books, businessy books that I ever bought and read was Tim Ferriss's It's a Four Hour Work Week. And he talked about like the reason we work 40 hours, like we, we just made up 40 hours and then we just fill that in with, with work. And it's been 10 years or so since I've read that book. So I don't remember everything about it, but that book set me on a path to read more books like that, which is in turn led to where I'm at now. I've read and listened to a lot of those types of books and uh, whether you think they're baloney or not, I'm here because I took advice. I picked and choose the advice that I wanted from each one of those books. So that's pick one, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. And then 
pick two is, and unfortunately this is a thing you have to pay for, but if anybody is paying for the learning course masterclass, it's, it's like, I think it's $99 a year. You see it on TV and they have these celebrities that talk about whatever. I just watched the David Lynch, uh, filmmaking and creativity one. It is phenomenal. Uh, like he talks about his creative process and it's, it's so, it was, I, I watched it late at night and I wish it wasn't like at two in the morning when I finished it. Cause I would have went straight out into the shop and just started cutting for no reason. Um, hmm. but it's, it, it was just, it was really good as inspiring. And he, and he does talk about like removing these barriers and, and pushing forward and writing down your ideas. And I'm not a filmmaker I, in that sense. But it was, I just found it super inspiring. So if you have Masterclass, go watch David Finch's course. I pay for way too many of these online courses. I have Skillshare, Linda, <laughs> Masterclass. I'm doing the monthly thing. Um, but I just, I absolutely love learning things. And I'm paying for like this engine building course too. Like I just love learning things. <laughs> That's cool. You guys know, uh, I'm going to talk about two things. Legal Eagle. You guys follow Legal Eagle? He's, a, he's an online, he's a, YouTube, you, he's a YouTube lawyer. And, uh, I think you mentioned it. Yeah, I might have mentioned it a while ago. But uh, So I'm just looking through my history. So I've been watching some of his videos. And then also uh, 3x3 Customs. You guys follow Tamara? I talked about her probably before, but oh, she just yeah. keeps getting better and better. So if you guys aren't following 3x3 Customs on Instagram and YouTube, oh, yeah. check her out. She just keeps challenging her so it's a perfect example like when i met her four three four years ago she was already good but it's really great to see her just constantly challenging herself and just trying new techniques and combining techniques she's an incredible woodworker and she's just getting better and better at what she does and i think she's like a i think she's like a full-blown mom of several children and housewife and full-time content creator and incredible woodworker so She's really, really amazing at thumbnails, which is, uh, it's the, I mean, I wish I was better at thumbnails because it's the selling point for your video and yeah, videos are fantastic. It's a great pick. Cool. Um, so mine is a, a guy I've talked about before, but something about the video, this particular video is, a, I don't know, spoke to me or something. Uh, it's a guy named John the Potter, and he's a he does pottery. Oh, I've been following uh, him lately. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, he's it's just, really he's good. Super like uplifting and positive, and just excited about making pottery. I mean, dude makes like a thousand mugs at a time, and somehow is really excited. I'm buying, about it. I'm buying a pottery oven from Even Heat. I'm going to buy a pot. Me and Teller are going to start doing oh, pottery. Yeah, sweet, nice. So I've been That's watching awesome. him. Um, yeah, we've been watching him for a while because Jenny does pottery stuff and so you know occasionally we'll when we sit down to watch shows and stuff we'll watch his new things his new videos he did one the other day that is about a carved uh mug and i don't know why it's it's not like some crazy technique but he turned or he threw sorry i'm not a potteryist i'm not a pottery person he threw a mug <laughs> and then once it dried the first drying where it's kind of like leather then he went back with a carving tool and made these kind of scallops on the side. And he would spin it around as he made the scallops. And so at first I was thinking, because I didn't really look at the thumbnail, I was thinking, oh, he's just going to make this 
even pattern all the way around it. And he went around it and made this pattern. And then he went around it again and cut out the pieces in between. And so what you ended up with is these scallops that were not spaced, they overlapped. And the texture of it ends up feeling like carved wood or almost like bark. But then it has this beautiful green glaze over top of it. So it doesn't at all look like wood. I'm looking at it now. It's I don't know. really cool. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's pottery is, is so foreign to me. I mean, I've only thrown like one or two bowls and I don't, it's not something I spend time doing. Um, I love the fact that Jenny does it and I wish she could do more of it. But every time I see something like that, where they take a simple shape and then they decorate it in a way that makes it look entirely different, it kind of blows my mind. It's just not a thing that I, you know, I don't have experience with it. So it just seems so foreign and so out there. But then watching him do it, I'm like, oh, like you just kind of carve, you just spin it around and cut little shapes out. And when you do that enough, you end up with this really awesome looking texture. Anyway, go check out John the Potter. He's got some good stuff. Um, He's got videos about making, like how to make certain things. A lot of just videos that are not him talking of just seeing what he does. He's got stuff about building out his studio and adding solar to the roof to run his kilns and all sorts of stuff. So Totally just subscribe. Cool. He's up in, yeah, he's up in Minnesota, I think. Yeah, he subscribed he's subscribed to him really about two weeks ago. He's got a camera energy. He's got like, he's he has this, uh, it's almost like Peter McKinnon, you know, like, hey, everybody, kind of like bigger than life personality. But I think it's his personality and it's fun to watch. So that didn't sound like Peter McKinnon at all. <laughs> it was spot You know on. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. What's, What's up, up, everybody? <laughs> uh, all right. You guys got anything else for this uh, show? Do I have anything for the after show? I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe. I, do. I got a little something. something. Maybe. Ooh, something, something. All right, cool. Well, thank you for hanging out with us, everybody. I'm watching uh, his video. And- I'm watching John the Potter. Sorry, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So the after show is going to be you listening to us watch videos. Jimmy Just reacts. Kidding. It's not going to be that. <laughs> Ooh, that's so <laughs> All right, nice. Thanks for listening, oh, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thank you. You, you got to tell him that you love him. I love him. I do love him. Am I on mute? Okay. No. No.